Hey, it's Lisa. This episode of the REIT Search Podcast is sponsored by my Credible Health Bug Shop. If you're a nutritionist, dietitian, fit pro, or health coach, the shop contains a ton of done-for-you content to save you time and fill your digital marketing calendar. Every piece of content in the shop is pre-written, well-researched, expertly edited, and limited edition. As a health pro, you could choose from either long form or mini articles in your field of interest and use them to stay in touch with your audience without having to do the research and content creation yourself. Simply customize and paste them into your blog, email software, or social media platform and hit publish. To check out the Credible Health Blog Shop, visit my website at lisacleach.com. That's L-E-E-S-A-K-L-I-C-H. Let's get started. Welcome to Research. Welcome. Awesome. I'm Lindsay. And I'm Lisa. And we're here to talk about nutrition research in a very fun, casual way. I have my coffee. Do you have your coffee? Oh, of course ready? I do. <laughs> I have my coffee cup here because it is still morning here. Yes. And um, that is my, my necessary go-to. Oh, I know. I can't go without my coffee. I love it. So today is actually a little bit off of the nutrition research, and we're going into health in general. Today, we're going to talk about mindfulness, which is a great topic. I know it's so like, I did not know how much research was actually done on mindfulness. And it's a really interesting thing. Because if you think about it, like how do you measure mindfulness and, and outcomes? And, you know, it's not like you can take a blood test for it, right? <laughs> so, no. There's so, no hard numbers here. Right, so right. It's hard to measure. It's more of a qualitative. It, it is. It's, it's subjective. And you can, of course, make it as objective as possible. But generally, you would measure mindfulness just as a little fun fact is you would have people, you'd gather people to do a specific type of mindfulness program and you'd give them um, a, a validated questionnaire on how they feel about this or that or, or whatever other symptoms they may be having. And then you have them go through the program over several weeks and then you give them the same questionnaire and see if anything's changed. And of course you can do that with a control group. So you can have another group that's doing something different than mindfulness or doing nothing, mm -hmm. right? Um, and measuring it. But this study is a review just published in January, 2021. Oh, wow. Very recent. Very recent. And it's a review of 136 randomized control trials done. That's a lot of trials that they've included. Right. That's a lot. That's fantastic. It's all of these studies were randomized control trials done on mindfulness. And that is what we're going to be reviewing today. All right. So what's the name of the paper? So the paper is called Mindfulness Based Programs for mental health promotion in adults in non-clinical settings. 
a systematic review and meta-analysis of randomized controlled trials. I think that the content doesn't really line up with the title because that title, <laughs> I'll be honest, it sounds a bit dry, but the topic is so interesting. <laughs> it's very descriptive using all of the long words necessary, right? Exactly. I know, which totally defeats the purpose, but okay, let's pull out the cool we'll out facts the from this. Yeah, from this study. The bottom line is there is evidence that mindfulness can help certain symptoms or conditions, which we'll talk about today. So that is what we're going to take away from this. And then the question is how much and how they measured it and all of these cool things. But it actually has a measurable impact to many people. So, of course, when you think of mindfulness, like what do you normally think of people using it for? typically to calm anxiety. Right, exactly. So what they looked at was symptoms of anxiety, depression, stress, and well-being. So these are psych tests. These are psychological conditions, psychological issues that, that people are looking for relief from when they go into mindfulness. And of course, we are not advocating any type of specific treatment or cure for any acute anxiety or major depression at all. This is just for information purposes, of course. But what they found was, of course, these mindfulness studies are, are mindfulness is very popular. A lot of people go to it. And um, it's 2020 and 2021 haven't been extremely stressful for everyone. Like, I don't know which years were. There's an understatement. This has definitely been a trying year for sure. Yeah. So yeah. a lot of people have been going for mindfulness and for other ways of relieving their stress. So again, this study looked at 136 randomized control trials, and this was on mindfulness training. So they were looking at people who were in uh, like free living people in society. So this wasn't, these weren't hospitalized people. They weren't, they weren't clinically depressed or, or whatever. They were people who were doing it for their own reasons. And um, mm -hmm. the studies were all controlled, which is nice, which means they had a group that was a control group and they had a group that was doing the mindfulness. Well, this is so important too, to, to just have a control in any study. Right. So I just want to just drive home that fact that the fact that they are RCTs, people were randomly divided into two groups, one of which was a control group, is such a great way of measuring the effect of just this one activity this one variable right because right. you're you're having people that you're asking the same questions before having yeah. them maybe do something different or do nothing over that same duration of time and then you're asking them these questions after well and this is so cool because even just participating in a study changes your behavior and changes your mindset exactly. and so you have to measure you have to account for right. that so this is one great way of making sure that that is being accounted for. So I just, yeah, I just wanted to make sure to bring that up. It's not like you would just send people out and be like, I need you to do this. And we're just going to measure the difference. No, you need to measure participation in the study on its own without the mindfulness and then measure the actual modifications or changes that you're making. Very cool. Okay. Yes. Yes. And another thing too, that makes the, this a, a good study is when you're looking at randomized control trials, they are randomized and they are controlled as we just talked about. But they also have a beginning and an end point. They're also, they have a bunch of people who start 
at whatever level they're starting at, and then they're making a change in their life. There's an intervention happening. They're making a change, and then they measure afterward. So this is very different from when it's just a random survey of everybody at a certain point in time, for example, like those kinds of observational studies. You're, you have people, you ask them to make a change, and then you measure the same thing after this exact change. Mm -hmm. So one of the things they found in the study was that a lot of the RCTs they found to be of poor quality. So now okay. RCTs in general are one of the better methodologies. Like it's one of the best methodologies to use, but of course yeah. there's all these nuances and details and, you know, hundreds of different combinations and permutations of scientists putting on their creativity hat and saying, oh, well, what <laughs> if I measure this? Or what if I do it this way? Or what if I ask these questions? So there's so many variables to look at when you're looking at a study and RCTs in general are a good solid study, but you can have strong RCTs and you can have not so strong RCTs. Very true. Okay. We'll, we'll, we'll go to the, the actual definition of mindfulness because in science, we love to define things. So everybody's <laughs> Just a little bit. <laughs> and we all have the exact same expectations when we're moving forward. So mindfulness definition here is the awareness that emerges through paying attention on purpose in the present moment and non-judgmentally to the unfolding of experience moment by moment. Interesting. That's a good definition, actually, because it's as you're going through, it's like, yeah, yeah, no, that's definitely what right. it is. So good. Okay. They did a good it's job. It's not there. just the awareness for me. I think the non-judgmentally is, is a tough part sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> you see yeah. and you feel things happening and then you automatically want to say that it's good or bad or it should happen or it shouldn't happen or this these judgments are so like we're so used to them I don't know I don't think it's just me just, yeah. it's, so being non-judgmental saying yeah well yes I do have whatever like a sore shoulder or something and I think that that's um, an important lesson for learning about about mindfulness well and I think judgment is such an integral part of society. I mean, it has been for a long time. I was going to say it's, you know, even now, but it always has been, you know, people judge others and people judge themselves so harshly. And to be able to stop doing that, even just for a, a few moments, I think will have, I mean, I could see how it, even just doing that would have such a huge positive impact on everything. It would be a hard <laughs> practice to do. Because yeah. Oh yeah. It's very challenging. I, I definitely struggle with uh, mindfulness because I'm a planner. So <laughs> it's, yeah, it's hard to do. So I'm curious to see what the training yes, is. Yes. Let's hear. So what, Let's hear about it. What they, what they looked at was um, th they had a, a specific questionnaire, a validated questionnaire, or, or, or they chose studies that had a validated questionnaire and all of these studies had to have at least four one-hour in-person teacher-led sessions. So they weren't doing online classes. They weren't doing shorter oh. than an hour or less than four. So they had a minimum so that they can at least evaluate all of these studies on like with at least these minimum criteria. And again, the people were living in the community and they weren't specifically chosen because they had a clinical condition. They were people who opted to do uh, a mindfulness program, mindfulness-based program that what they did was they also looked at studies that measured people one to six months after they did this program. 
right? So it's like you, you start from a certain point, you do these minimum of four one hour in-person teacher-led sessions, and then you are evaluated again, one, two, three, four, five, or six months after you've completed the whole program. So it wasn't that they were being measured like right after they finished this or one hour mindfulness session, they were yeah. measured months later. Well, and that's an important part too, because how you think right? takes a long time to change. These are thought patterns, which tend to run away on their own. And so you have to learn how to rein that in and control it a little bit more. And that takes a lot of practice, right. just repetition, doing it over and over. And that just takes time. So that's good that they were measuring this so far in the future, because, you know, then you're actually seeing the impact right. of this. Right. And being more present in the moment, non-judgmentally, which is always a challenge for me. Definitely yeah. I think that would be the hardest part for me. <laughs> Maybe not. My brain tends to run away a lot. So, so I'll give you the, the numbers on these four items that they were measuring. So for anxiety, they were measured. And this was eight trials that fell into that. And they did find a decrease in anxiety based on these questionnaires that people had. Awesome. That's a good one. And that one is kind of a lot of the reason why people kind of tend to go to these types of programs in the first place, right? They're like worried and anxious and stressed. Yeah. Um, so the next one was depression. And there were 14 trials that measured depression before and after they did these mindfulness programs. And again, they found a reduction in depression symptoms. Now I have to ask, because this is a qualitative study or more subjective, was there statistical analysis? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, there was statistical analysis. So we have, for example, a p-value and a, a decrease in, in all of these. But again, being um, um, this was a meta-analysis, yep, right, and, and a systematic review. So every one of the 136 studies may have done things slightly differently. Yeah, but they did all meet minimum criteria. They were all randomized. They were all controlled. Yeah, they were all people who were not chosen for their clinical symptoms. They were all using a qualified psychological questionnaire before and after they were all doing minimum four sessions one hour in person so but yeah there's there's definitely a lot of variability in here but they did try and minimize a lot of these variables okay so the other two are distress and of that there were 27 trials and they in distress they found of the 27 trials there was actually a reduction in distress that's fantastic I know if you think about the, like, this is the stuff that people are going through yeah. in general, but exceptionally a lot, I think recently. Yeah. This is so pertinent to what's going on in the world right now. And what's interesting too, is they did this review. Uh, they searched the databases for these studies in August, 2020, and this was published in January. Wow. I mean, these studies were obviously done and published before August, but this kind of looking at all finding them and looking and analyzing them all was done just like literally in less than the last year. Yeah. And then the fourth item they looked at, because, you know, anxiety, depression, distress are all kind of those negative, heavy things. Um, but the fourth thing they looked at was well being. And for well being, they actually found an increase in well being. So it seemed that these were helping people to at, at least a small degree in general. No, I was going to say, this is the, the awesome thing about subjective studies. I feel like in the scientific community, they tend to get 
kind of frowned upon a little bit, but you know what, at really the end of the study or the, the, when we look at the big picture, if they, the participants feel better and they feel that they are getting something from this and it's improving their life, who cares, right? Like it's their perception of their life and how they feel. And that's really what's most important with these subjective studies. So if they feel like they're in a much better place, if they feel I'm having a hard time articulating right now, you know, like if they feel like there's an improvement to their health and their well-being, then, you know, like who cares if it's measurable or not, it's all subjective to them. And to, to add to, to that as well is none of the people who participated in these were specifically trying to treat a specific issue, right? Yeah. So it's not that this was helping them overcome their major mental health concerns. It's that they were here. They did this for mm. their reasons. So yes, yeah, subjectivity is great when you're clearly not in a life or death situation. And this isn't something that requires, you know, emergency surgery and stuff. This is basically people who are not feeling great. They had mm. mental health concerns. They did mindfulness and they did feel better. Yep. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. It, I like this study. What a good study. I, I know. It was so interesting. I have to have a caveat though. Um, in addition to the studies that they reviewed that were not, you know, exceptionally the best well done RCTs ever, they also found that while the mindfulness based programs that these, I think it was a total of over 11,000 people, like in all 136 studies combined, did it was not significantly better than other interventions. For example, like physical activity. So it was approximately the same mental health benefits doing mindfulness as you would get if instead of the mindfulness, you were doing, you were being more physically active in that time. That's an interesting point though, because anything you can do really will have an impact. And there's, there's, I, you know, go back to that cheesy saying, there's more than one way to skin a cat. There's more than one way to improve your health, improve your well-being. It just improve how you feel. And it's all about personalization and finding something that fits for you. So for some, yeah, it is physical activity. And for others, it's finding these different ways to participate in mindfulness. Yeah, it was, a, it was a similar end result. And um, again, people were doing it because they were feeling like they needed to do something about their non-serious mental health concerns and it was helping. So yeah. this is great to know that this can help and it can be studied. And there have been hundreds of studies, which I had not known about until I actually looked it up. Well, these, uh, these studies are showing that there is a, a benefit for people for well-being and reducing anxiety, depression, and distress, although not a clinically, you know, evaluated treatment for major mental health issues, um, but it yeah. can help. It's kind of nice to know. And, and especially the time when so many people are feeling really stressed out to know that, mm -hmm. um, you know, doing an intervention, doing something, whether it's exercise, whether it's mindfulness can help. Oh yeah. It can big time. And that's, that's, uh, it's nice to know that we're not, we can do something. It's empowering to know that you, you can do something and it yeah. can help. No, there's, there's a lot of options. Did they discuss specific interventions? Like, is there any technique that we can take from this? Well, because there were so many studies, they had those minimum criteria. Yeah. 
right? The, the four one-hour in-person teacher-led sessions. So again, we don't know how much of this would apply to like online yeah. or if it was instead of four, it was like 44 or so. Yeah. So that's not what this study looked at, but they did have the, the, the minimum of four one hour in-person teacher-led sessions Interesting. as a minimum basis. But I mean, we could always dive into, or, or, I mean, of course we link the study in the show notes but um looking through the studies that they actually yeah. looked at and actually diving into the individual rcts and say oh wow this one study had whatever yeah. program um, and and that would kind of uh, dive into a bit more detail well there. and that's why it's so important too to make sure you are checking resources and you're you know following the bouncing ball so we're going to be linking to the study that we're talking about right now but once you get to that study you can go back to all of the other studies, the primary research that was done and learn about the techniques that were used. So, I mean, this is just full circle why it's so important to know how to get to the research and make sure you can find it and, and utilize it, right? Like everything has to be referenced. Right. So it's it, that's awesome if it's something that any of the practitioners or anybody out there listening, like it's, it's all out there. You just have to be able to find the information. And I think that to build on that, because I a hundred percent agree when, when we think about doing science, when we think about doing a study, we're first need to be pretty aware and competent of all of the research that's already yeah. been done in this area. So that's why when you see a study and you see that it's linking to 150 mm -hmm other studies like you don't just pull something out of thin air and do it like you're as they say standing on the shoulders yeah. of giants you're looking at everything we know so far and trying to take it one step farther and that's how science kind of builds on itself and the studies increase our knowledge one little step at a time because we're looking at everything else we know mm -hmm. and not just picking choosing the two or three or four or five things that we like, we're literally looking at dozens and dozens of studies in an area. Which is why meta-analysis are just, and systematic reviews right. are so fantastic. They're such a good place to start when, when you want to start learning about a good topic, uh, something you want to just really dive into. It's, it's such a great overview and a good starting point. Cause then of course they link to all the other studies. So it's like, okay, that was really cool. Go back and find the study and you can, you know, discover whatever information you want. The world is your oyster. We're full of cliches <laughs> today. I don't, I don't know how that happened. And I'm so glad you brought that up because according to the researchers who did this study, they actually aren't aware of any other reviews that have been done in this way that looked at so many RCTs of whether a mindfulness course can have a benefit or not. So, you know, that was kind of their contribution to this was like, you know what, all of these dozens and dozens of studies are being done. Like, let's take a step back, let's get them all together, get all of the data together, review every single one of them, and then go and see the overall uh, results and put them together in something that's a little more comprehensive. And, and that's uh, exactly why these kinds of studies are a great yeah. place to start because you're starting looking at like the top level view of yeah. it before yeah. diving down. It's really cool. So mindfulness and whatever form of living in the moment, judge non-judgmentally, yes. 
really can have an impact, not only at reducing symptoms, but helping you just feel better overall, increasing your overall wellness, increasing your sense of well-being. Yes. And, um, and again, it, you know, it helps, it helps a bit. It's, um, physical activity also helps, but it's, it's interesting to know and see that this is something that can be measured, can be looked at and evaluated and actually Mm -hmm. shows results. Well, I think the, okay. So we're not giving people a lot of actual take home steps today, but what I do want to point out is there are so many great resources because this is such a hot topic right now, especially after the year we've had. So some great resources you can tap into are your public library. There are so many good books and videos out there um, that you can get once you have a library membership. So that's a really, really good one to look into. Did you know on Netflix, they actually have a, a short series on a guide to oh, meditation? Oh, I think I saw that. Was that through one of the apps? I think it's through one of the popular apps. It's, yeah. No, no, it's just through Netflix. They have it on oh, Netflix really? now. I haven't, yeah, I haven't okay. watched it oh, yet. I'd like to see that. Um, but yeah, I mean, most people now have a subscription to Netflix. And so there's something mm-hmm. there, which is, again, easily accessible. You can do from your own home with no special equipment. Plus, there's tons of really like people are talking about this online all the time. And so your internet is a great access right. point as well. You can get online and get audiobooks. You can read blogs. You can watch YouTube videos. I mean, I'm sure there's lots of TED Talks out there. So in terms of figuring out ways you can implement this there are a lot of really good sources of information that you can get and it doesn't have to cost you money like that is a roadblock for a lot of people but it doesn't have to be and yes for sure there's a ton of good quality resources out there um and i came across this when i was actually doing research for a done for you stress program that I just created. So it was it kind of an, an interesting, you know, how, how do people tend to relieve stress? Well, there's all of these ways and it's like, oh, okay, mindfulness, like, is there any research on it? And I found the research on it. I'm like, okay, well, this is, this is interesting. This is a new kind of area uh, to learn about for me. So yeah, definitely uh, looking at the, the resources available and, um, you know, coming across cool and interesting things know, that you can really learn cool. about. So thank you for sharing this. this. This was a really good article and awesome. I think it's so pertinent right now. It's real. It's, it's so valuable. Uh, it's easy to implement and it just nothing but, but good stuff. Yay. As always, there's always more research needed to get into even more levels of detail if we want to. But this study was a great kind of starting off point because it looked at so many studies. So yeah, it was uh, definitely an interesting one to highlight in a podcast today. Yeah. So uh, we would love to hear from you. Please make sure to subscribe to us on whatever podcast platform you listen to. Uh, You can email us at reachsearch.com ll at gmail.com please give us feedback how are we doing uh how can we improve and what topics would you like to hear about yes definitely we want to know what you're interested in so that we can pull a a awesome cool study and chat about it and then you can you know listen to it when you're 
on your job for <laughs> driving around. Yeah. Uh, you can follow us on all of our social media handles, research. Uh, we're on Twitter. We're on Facebook. We're on Instagram. Although I think probably Twitter is the best place to follow us, I would say. Wouldn't you? We're definitely the most active on Twitter. I, I definitely think so. Yes. Have a fantastic day wherever you are, whatever you're doing, and take a moment to take a deep breath and non-judgmentally appreciate the moment. Yes. Thank you for the reminder. I need to do that too. Thank you. Hey, it's Lisa. This episode of the REIT Search podcast is sponsored by my Credible Health Blog Shop. If you're a nutritionist, dietitian, fit pro, or health coach, the shop contains a ton of done-for-you content to save you time and fill your digital marketing calendar. Every piece of content in the shop is pre-written, well-researched, expertly edited, and limited edition. As a health pro, you could choose from either long form or mini articles in your field of interest and use them to stay in touch with your audience without having to do the research and content creation yourself. Simply customize and paste them into your blog, email software, or social media platform and hit publish. To check out the Credible Health Blog Shop, visit my website at lisacleach.com. That's L-E-E-S-A-K-L-I-C-H dot com.